we would be honored if you would join All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where, let's face it, we are minus one person. Last week, we were minus two, and Krebs held the entire show with an amazing solo episode. Let's face it, solo episodes are super hard because there's no one to bounce anything off of. And, well, you kind of go crazy because, like, is anyone listening to me? Am I making sense? <laughs> I actually, I genuinely missed both you and Elton. Like, there was just, it was fun. I had a good time. Dungeon Crawlers, I had a good time with you. I really did. But, you know, there's only so much of my own voice I can take. It helps to have friends. Yes, it does. Uh, which is why I was like, I do not like doing the show solo. I've done it a few times and it's, it's tough. It is a tough go around. However, we are short one Alton. That is right. Alton is not here. Uh, that's okay. We, we'll still carry the show. We've done this before. Uh, it's not as fun without Alton. It's not as fun without Scott. It's not as fun, but we'll still do it. So we have a great show for you this evening, <clears throat> excuse me, we are going to talk about the Netflix series Masters of the Universe Revelations. Oh uh, this is a, so far, only part one is out on Netflix right now. Uh, this is the dream brainchild of Kevin Smith. Um, for those of you that do not know who Kevin Smith is, he's a huge comic book fan. He's done Clerks. He's done Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, yeah, he's done he, a lot. He That's is cool. Silent Bob of Jay and Silent Bob. Yes. yes. Um, and for him to put this together, it is, for me as a fan growing up on the cartoon, I loved it. I know there's a lot of people out there that have mixed feelings about this. Some are kind of like, eh, some hate it, some love it. Uh, we're going to talk about it and give you know, talk about what we thought about it, what we loved about it, what we probably didn't like about it, um, and go from there. So if you have not watched this and you don't care about spoilers, continue listening. If you care about spoilers, maybe pause the show, go watch the five episodes. It goes really fast. It does. And then come back. Um, so, again, I'm going to lay it out there. There will be spoilers at this, this is, point, this is not a spoiler-free zone, guys. Yes. At this point, if you continue listening, it's at your own peril. So, all right. So let's start. Let's begin. Masters of the Universe Revelations on Netflix. The animation is superb. It's uh, beautiful. It's the same animator that uh, Netflix brought on uh, for the Castlevania series. They do a, a great job. There are some moments, especially in He-Man's face, where you can definitely see, oh, yeah, it looks a lot like Castlevania. Um, <laughs> it's especially in his abs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is definitely not the He-Man you grew up with. No. Uh, the thing I really love about this is they don't pull punches. They definitely don't pull punches in this series. It is a very self-aware show. And what I love about it is that in the very first episode, the first, I don't know, 70, 80% of that episode, like very much pays homage and, and, and overall tribute to the classic cartoon. They used classic toy slash comic book box art. They used 
Uh, they made a ton of original references. They had some of the original voice cast in there. And then oh, yeah. there's, there's this point in the episode where it suddenly takes an extremely dark turn, like very suddenly in a way that it never did in the eighties at all. And then you're like, wait, what? And then it gets darker still. And you're like, wait, what? And then, yeah, it, that first episode was a perfect, like it was, it was a fan trap in all the best ways possible. It was, it was fan service followed by like fan shock and awe. Right. Yes. And it was, it was done beautifully. Well, you know, you, you opened the episode by talking about how there are mixed reviews about this. And I got to be honest with you. It, it, I, maybe it's just because I'm getting older and maybe I'm getting jaded about society as well. And we've talked about this on the show before, but man, there are so, there are so many reviewers who look for the opportunity to sound intelligent by tearing something apart. And I yeah. promise you, if they had, if they had stuck with the original show formula, and just updated the animation. They would talk about how the animation wasn't original or, or wasn't um, wasn't a tribute enough. And if they went yeah. with like reproducing the original animation, it wouldn't have been original enough. And if they had gone with like the same kind of stories, if they had basically like continued the He-Man storyline, there wouldn't be enough throwbacks or there wouldn't be enough connectivity or it's very cheesy by today's standards. Why would they do that? No matter what they did, no matter what they did, there would have been some condemnation and there would have been some negative press. But the truth is if you take it, like as a, if you take it at its face and if you analyze it as modern media and you look at the storytelling, there, there are profound values here. There were so many points where as a child growing up with He-Man, I found myself nostalgic and I, I saw all the connections. There were, there were times they were making references where I knew it was a reference, but I had a hard time remembering what they were hearkening back to or a character would show up and i'll be like oh my gosh that's one of the few figures i didn't have and i totally forgot about them you know like they in five small episodes they fit in nearly the entire universe and it was incredible yeah. it was phenomenal well i mean so here's one thing um i found really interesting uh, uh we can talk about the, the cast in a minute um but they put in characters that were never seen in the original series. Uh, Skunkor. They made the they made the toy, and this toy stunk. Literally stunk. Is yeah. Um, his name was Stinkor, and he smelled of patchouli. Yeah, yeah. and you know, he, he just it, the the figure itself, the toy, always just stunk. It was nasty. <laughs> and but they put him in the series, but he was never in the original '80s cartoon. Not one single episode. And yet, you know, they have him in here. And the funny thing is, is um, who is the guy, the, the guy, uh, Silent Bob's sidekick? Uh, that um, would be Jay. Yeah. So Jay, the guy that plays him, Jason, I, I, his last name escapes me at the moment, but he did I the voice for Skunk. Um, Which is so fantastic. He did the voice for Skunk. So they bring him in. Uh, then the one thing that really caught me off guard was the fact that you know, Ram Man never showed up, and he was a huge presence. That's a valid and, point. But that doesn't mean he's not going to show up in the second half. Um, they, you know, and I really like the twist that they brought in uh, with Triclops and Trapjaw, where now Man 
magic dying and suddenly technology is on the rise. You know, and Masters of the Universe has always been this blend of magic and technology. You know, we've got He-Man's Power Sword, we've got the Sorceress, we've got Castle Grayskull, we've got Orko, which never was supposed to be a part of the, the He-Man series. Uh, they threw the character in and kids loved Orko and you know they had to get the rights for the character because he wasn't supposed to be he was really wasn't part of the series um and Orko's story arc in this five episodes is amazing I mean yeah. I always I liked Orko but he I always felt like he was just like the court gesture just there yeah, well, for well he was always the comic guys. relief he was always the comic relief and they didn't give him any depth in the 80s yeah no but we got depth here. Not only that, I feel like Cringer, the same Cringer was just the, the comic relief until he became Battle Cat. Then it was like, oh, he's cool. But That's right. Cringer had some depth. Um, and again, voiced by an amazing, amazing actor. Um, you know, after I found out who it was, I just can't, I, ever, I've gone back and watched it a couple of times and I'm just waiting for Cringer to stop and say, I'm good. It's a three-lined stapler in the bath ditch. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that actor, as soon as I heard his voice, I knew exactly who it was. And he's one of those character actors that maybe you don't know his name off the top of your head. His name is Stephen Root. And yep. he's in uh, King of the Hill. He's in Office Space, per your uh, yeah. reference. He's in Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds. He's in a million billion he's things. He's, He's in dodgeball. dodgeball right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, news, uh, news radio or whatever that one was, Bill Hartman and that from way back in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's a great cast and they really play some great homage to some, some characters. Um, you know, we got Sarah Michelle Geller playing Tila. And Tila was, was a good character, but I really liked the depth Tila gets in this series. And not only that, there's this really poignant uh, part in her storyline where she's facing Scarecrow. Um, and you know, she's like, you made the wrong move because you, allow you allowed me to find the power that I brought with myself into, yeah. you know, into this home. And you see her, because we all know those that have watched the 80s cartoon, she is the sorceress's daughter. But she doesn't know. Her mind's been wiped multiple times and she was raised by man-at-arms, but she she iner inherently has magic. We know this. She doesn't. And I see this moment. It's like, oh my gosh. She's tapping in to her power. It's awesome. You know what, to your point, I, I think what really made this show special for me, and this was one of the things that everybody went up in arms about because they felt like it was a bait and switch, right? Um, but this was not a bait and switch. This was a masterful turning of the tables. It's slightly different, right? Um, we went in thinking it was another He-Man story, but really it was Tila's story. In fact, it was every, if you look at the original 80s cartoon, you have all these characters that are recognizable, but all of them, play like fifth fiddle to Adam oh. slash He-Man and Skeletor, right? Yeah. Like, like it's always He-Man and Skeletor at all turns. And everybody else is just window dressing for those two characters. This 
this series was exactly the opposite. They removed Adam and He-Man. They removed Skeletor. They sprinkled them throughout the, the series just here and there, but they focused on Tila. It was really Tila's journey and it was Evelyn's journey, right? It was, it was uh, a little bit of cringer. Like the closer you got to He-Man, the, if you were a character that was closer to He-Man, those were characters that they reduced in terms of screen time. Yeah. Um, but you had like Orko had a huge character arc. Uh, you even even Beast Man, they added like so much depth to Beast Man, to Triclops, yeah. to to like all of these other characters. Even the Sorceress got some more depth of character. Like they and and Man at Arms, Duncan, oh, yeah. Duncan's journey was like so poignant to me. Um, it was uh, they they it was it was almost like Kevin Smith went in and he saw the you know he analyzed he analyzed the hokum and the tropes of the 80s and he's like how can we invert this how can we turn this inside out and that's exactly what he did he didn't do he didn't do the hyper trope of let's go through the darkest timeline although there were elements that felt kind of like that but he didn't do like the darkest timeline instead it was like who needs their story to be told and it ended up that there was a lot like meaning yeah. like, a spacious area filled with characters whose stories needed to be told that weren't Adam and Skeletor. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't really feel like it's, it was a bait and switch. I mean, a lot of people have been saying that, you know, yes, the trailer kind of looked focused on He-Man, but it wasn't all He-Man. If you look, watch the trailer, there's everyone in there. And the reason I don't feel like it was a bait and switch is because the 80s cartoon was He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. This was very specifically Masters of the Universe Revelations. You know, if you go by that, Masters of the Universe is everyone but He-Man. It is Tila. It is Man-at-Arms. It's Triclops. It's Stratos. Um, you know, it's Mechanek. Again, those characters haven't shown Some of those characters haven't shown up. Um, and I really liked it. I liked the fact that they kind of focused in on Tila and Duncan's story and Orko. Uh, I love the fact that Roboto is in there. And, you know, and even his, and, and Justin Long did a great job. But Justin end, Long is phenomenal. Saying, saying, I'm afraid to die. A robot saying, I'm afraid to die. And I know I'm dying. But how glorious is this? Because I'm afraid. I have feelings. And father, which, you know, Duncan, man at arms, you know, he's talking to Tila as if he, she is his sister. I outperformed himself because I am far more than I was. Um, I know I'm botching the exact terminology, but man, that was a powerful point. Here is a robot that has become self-aware and is afraid to die. He's feeling. And that was fantastic. That was a great point there. It was, um, a, it was you know, awesome. You know, and in even Orko's last stand. Yes, I'm sorry. Orko could be dead. We don't 100% know. That one's a little ambiguous. But that was awesome to see Orko stand up. And, you know, because normally his spells misfire. And, and you see it even then. Like trying to cast a light spell and it turns into a, a black cloud raining on him. He's like, oh, I guess I am still filling up with the weather. Um, <laughs> so th there is that little bit of that humor, that tie back. But it really focuses on the other characters. Um, and yes, we do see some flashbacks 
because if you don't know, again, if you haven't watched these, episode one, boom, He-Man and Skeletor dead, gone. You know, as far as we know. Um, Tila sees that Adam is He-Man and he sacrifices himself to, to save the world, uh, which is amazing. You know, I, I know a lot of people are mad about that, but that is what that hero, yeah, that's what a hero does. He-Man would have done that. Adam would have done that. And he did do that. Absolutely. Um, I was, which is fantastic. And, so, you know, flip that. So, Go ahead. So, so let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Like top three things, the top three things in the show that as a diehard He-Man fan, you absolutely loved. Go. Top three things. Uh, my number one is when they are in, I'm going to botch the name of their heaven. I know it's Subternia. I can't remember. We'll just call they, it. I think they called it Preternia or something like that. Yeah, it's my bad. So they go there, they find Adam, and they meet Grayskull. You know, this is who the castle is named after. That's who, you know, when you call upon the power, you get his power. And he's standing there and he says, when people come here, they get to pick their form. And until now, everyone's form has always been this bulked up, beefy, you know, Conan the Barbarian looking guy. But Adam picked his lesser self. And I found that so poignant and amazing. You know, he could have been He-Man. He could have looked like He-Man. But he chose himself, um, which I think was amazing. That, that was point number one. Uh, number two, the first battle between He-Man and Skeletor oh, in yes. Castle Grayskull. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Um, and then number, and, you know, because there's that amazing line, um, number three for me is Mark Hamill as <laughs> Skeletor saying, call your champion um, to, to the sorceress. Um, but there's a lot of other really fantastic moments throughout that series there's so many there's so many um for me i mean you hit on some of my faves of course um for me first episode during that battle uh during the precursor to the battle basically no no i yeah anyway during that battle with skeletor and he-man when moss man shows up to us to assist oh, yeah. he-man right um and then skeletor just in, incinerates him just just absolutely destroys yeah. him and not just wounds him i mean he kills moss man right in front of he-man it was at that moment where i'm like oh crap this show has no real rules and like that that was the first thing that happened where i was like wait what the what and i was yeah, in no, public I was, I was i was the same way because the second i saw that i'm like whoa we're not dealing with the 80s cartoon anymore because <laughs> the 80s are cartoon, you know, people got boo-boos and, you know, oh, bad yeah. guys ran away and people got, people were okay. So we saw in Transformers, Thundercats and everything. That was, that was the time piece because you couldn't kill people up until, that's right. you know, the Transformers 80s. The Transformers show. movie. Um, yeah. 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 All right. Go ahead. That's number so, one. So number one, the death of Moss Man. Number two, the, the overall self-awareness of the show. Um, which was a smattering of moments. They did so many things where they hearkened back to like the old battle tactics of the original cartoon, which were super cheesy, but they found ways to breathe new life into a more, or at least, you know, here's an homage movement followed by 
a more contemporary movement that's more believable you know that sort of thing um also like when tila makes fun of he-man's level of humor uh it was Mm -hmm. that was darn funny um and then and then for for my third favorite thing my third favorite thing was that moment in the castle at the end of episode one i believe it was where the queen tells king andor that he-man is adam because she knows Mm -hmm. and and, you know i mean the, the show is called revelations and and the first episode that's all it is it's just the yeah. reveal of all these truths to all these people who didn't know magically in the 80s when they could be really cheesy with their sitcom approach to like not telling each other the secret. Oh, I bonked my head and I didn't see Adam turn into He-Man for like the 48th time, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Um, like there was that moment where the sorceress was not there to wipe memories, where uh, the queen was beside herself and she just emotionally burst out with the truth to the king the king in his fury you know banishes man at arms tila rebels she's just been knighted a man at arms and she rebels against the kingdom she has served her whole life you know like this this onslaught of just truth and pain and and revelation was like it kicked off the whole five episode arc but like holy crap that moment i was i was just drawn in i was sucked in as yeah. as a child of the 80s i didn't feel betrayed i felt like i was being taken on a journey that i've waited like over 30 years to see well and the other nice thing that i loved about the series is you know and this may harken to the 2002 series uh, of he-man in the masters of the universe which i think they did a fantastic job with um they went in, more in depth in the story um, I liked the artwork. It wasn't as cheesy. Um, but what I like is the fact that, you know, cause in the eighties cartoon, you know, Adam pretty much looks like He-Man, but wearing purple tights and a white shirt. That's right. Pink shirt. In this, he's very skinny. He's very slender. He's not as tall. Um, he's still athletic. He's still the, muscular. Cause he's a prince. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not, he's not a stick figure, but he's a lot smaller than when he is when he's he-man he-man is this big massive muscle bound dude um you know it's 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 a kind of like seeing you know bruce banner turn into the hulk really that big of a difference um so i like that um and, and i did like that marlena knew um I, I really hope that there's some tie in or, or maybe they'll just leave it alone because that was a new cartoon. But, you know, Marlena is an astronaut from Earth. She actually is from Earth, not from Returnia. Um, so Always forget that. that. You know, how is that going to tie in with She-Ra? There is a Netflix She-Ra cartoon, but it's, it's vastly different. It, it's more of like it's more of like a uh, millennial reboot of the show, right? Like it's it's not this risky take on the source material. You know, so you know, will Hordak somehow play uh, I hope something so. in here, um, or not? Uh, I did. I loved Evil Lynn's character. You know, in I Evil loved Lynn, Evil Lynn's character in the eighties cartoon. Yeah, I didn't really like. I started liking Evil Lynn in the 2002 reboot because it went more in depth 
she had more personality. There was more of a story to her than just, you know, Skeletor's lackey, so to say. This one, you definitely saw that more. Um, you can actually, there, there's a love relationship there. It's not just she's there for, for no reason. You know, she, she's more than infatuated with Skeletor because of magic or power. There's a love type relationship there. Uh, just Absolutely. like there is between Tila and and uh, Adam that we see. Um, so that was great. And Lena Headley uh, doing the voice for that character. Oh, yeah. Lena Headey uh, was amazing in that role, but she yeah. she does great in those. She she has like two great lanes: being the maternal, like the powerful maternal figure, and yeah. being just like the undying, uh, like femme fatale especially out for vengeance, you know, and in this case, she kind of got, she got to be a little bit of both depending on the moment, yep. you know? Um, but yeah, I loved her portrayal of Evelyn. I love that when Evelyn took off her crown, she had this long flowing white hair. It was gorgeous. Um, they did a lot with the character that they never, I mean, I mean, that that's just the song of this, of this series, right? They, they did a lot with the character that they never did in the eighties. Um, there was just so much, there was a ton, uh, such such a brave and ambitious project to take something that is so quintessential to the current adult audience and and then turn it utterly inside out to reveal its dark corners, its emotions, um, to take away the hokum and the tropes, or at least to be so aware of them that you can breathe some gravitas into the situation. Yeah. Now, interesting fact, based on text threads that you and I are privy to, but the audience is not, uh, our dear friend Scott, whom we adore, instantly did not like this show. Um, no. And so I'm really, I, of course, I am curious to hear his side of the story, but let's let's be objective here. What? Uh, let's look at the show and let's look at what didn't go so well. Are there things that you didn't like about this take on Masters of the Universe? Well, I mean, you know, let's just throw the obvious elephant in the room. Um, you know, I would have loved to see more Skeletor and He-Man. Uh, I mean, that's that's the big thing. That's why a lot of people are complaining. They right. want to see more He-Man. You don't hire Mark Hamill to be the voice of Skeletor to only have give him one episode and five minutes at the end of the, the, the fifth episode. Right. Um, but yes, we know there is a part two and there's probably a bigger arc there. Um, but yes, I, I can see why people are upset with that. That would be the first, like, wow. Uh, second thing, th and this goes back to your comment about Randor. As a king that is, you know, throughout the cartoon series and, you know, through the life, Randor has always been a very malevolent ruler. It always sees the best in people. And I don't understand. And, and maybe, you know, maybe it truly is, you know, grief does weird things to us. Um, the, he would do something like that. Yeah. You know, banish Duncan. For something that Duncan didn't even have any power over. I mean, Duncan even says, Adam made us promise not to tell you. Um, I just don't see Randor doing that. That one kind of struck an ill chord with me. I could see him being angry, like just walking out of the room and slamming a door. Um, 
that one seemed weird to me. Um, then the other thing that I, there were, of course, attorney has a, a light side and a dark side. You know, the dark side is where Snake Mountain is and all that, or Skeleton Mountain. We didn't really see that, that there. It just seemed like, oh, we're going to Snake Mountain, and they're there. There was not really that light and dark path that we saw um, in the 80s cartoon and the 2002 cartoon. Um, I would have liked to explore that a little bit more. You know, we saw what was happening on the light side with magic going away, but what was happening on the dark side uh, of eternity, the, the dark hemisphere? Um, that would have been nice to see. And then, and, uh, I'm not a big fan of Skelegod. Uh, the look just seems weird to me. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I, I fall along similar lines. I was shocked that the king reacted in such a dramatic way without them kind of like, without them following up on his grief and his management of that. It was very much like the cartoon. Yeah. In the original cartoon, he'd make a couple decrees, again, very benevolent, and then you just wouldn't see him again, right? And they kind yeah. of did the same thing here, and maybe that was on purpose, but here he makes a world-altering decree against Duncan, Yeah, and then you don't really see him again. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, would be, it would be worthwhile to follow at least a little bit his and the queen's journey through managing their grief before yeah. Adam returns from the afterlife. Um, similarly, I think that the trip to the underworld of the, of, you know, the land of the dead. Um, Subternia. Yeah. yeah Subternia. Uh, I felt like, I felt like there was more that could have been done there. It was kind of underwhelming it reminded me there was this movie like super super cheesy movie back in the 80s um i'm trying to remember the exact title it was one of those movies that had like two or three different titles depending on when it was released but um but there's this computer nerd who has uh this you know the super powerful commodore 64 that's you know is is the model excalibrate uh and then he ends up back with uh richard mull uh you know, Bull Shannon from Night Court, he ends up in like his world where Richard Mole's like this evil sorcerer and they have this duel, uh, you know, these many trials. And one of the trials was him facing like his own demonic self. And that is the yeah. movie where we get the line that Adam Savage uses in Mythbusters, I reject your reality and I substitute my own. Um, it was to that scene is one of the hokiest scenes in all of cinematic history and it was it was something that was really treasured in the 80s this idea that your intellect could beat out the brawn or the power of somebody else and that's really cool and all but it was very it was done very cheesily back then and to me subternia kind of felt like that feed me your fear you know and it's like thanks to you i've discovered i have no fear you know and just like um it was it was very much I reject your reality and I substitute my own and it it was it I realized it was there to show Tila's strength uh, as a character, but we have talked a billion times about how a strong character is not a perfect character. That's not where strength yeah. comes from. Strength comes from vulnerability and weakness overcome, right? Uh, or or taking action in the face of those things, and. Um, and and I love I love that this was Tila's journey. 
Sometimes I feel like shows that attempt to do this, where they want to make a quote unquote strong female character, just hit you with a ham fist in the face of all of this power and strength. And that's where we start entering Mary Sue territory. Um, I I don't think they did that to Tila most of the time, but that moment with like scare glow in the subternia, um, that was, it was underwhelming and it was slightly pandering in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, you're right. They came very close to it. Um, but I think they, they towed the line carefully. You know, there's yeah. that great scene with her and Cringer. And he's like, you know, Adam left because he knew he could trust turning in your hands. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think th- those are some really powerful, great lines uh, delivered by Cringer. Um, I wish the, the villain in uh, Subternia wouldn't have looked so scared or so much like Skeletor. I mean, they even referenced it. Yeah. Um, I wish it, they would have gone with a different look, uh, definitely. But I, I get it. Scared Glow is a character from the 80s cartoon. Um, I, I, I just, they had an opportunity to change that. I mean, this is a demon of sorts, whatever we'll, we'll call him. They don't really say. Um, but why, why make him look so much like Skeletor? Yeah. Um, yeah let's, let's go with something a little bit different. We 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 can't. You know, we've updated what Mossman looks like. We've updated what all these other characters. Mossman was the up. most different of all of the original designs. Yeah. Well, which is really funny. You know, he was the most original and changed to the design, but he had the same voice um, as the yeah. character from the cartoon. You know, and for those of you that don't know, it's the same guy that did the voice for Skeletor, um, and many of the characters in the Human series. Uh, Alan, I can't remember his last name, but um, yes, fantastic, fantastic uh, voice actor. Um, he's definitely much older in years now, um, but it was great to hear that voice in the series, and it definitely harkened back to the old cartoon. Alan Oppenheimer. Yeah, Oppenheimer. That's why I can never remind remember it. It's, but man, freaking uh, Grayskull was voiced by Dennis Haysbert, y'all. He's one of my all-time yeah. faves. I, you know, I was a fan of Twenty Four for nearly the for the entire time it was running. And Dennis Haysbert was one of my favorite characters. Man, he was so good. Well, for those of you that remember, like uh, Major League, uh, yep, the, Major the, League. The, yeah, he was Serrano. Um, you know, he's the voodoo he's player. Been, yeah, or if you just recently watched the, the latest season of uh, Lucifer, he plays God um, mm-hmm. in his last season. So. Or, you know, most people probably know him as the Allstate guy. Let's just face it. Uh, That's absolutely true. You're right. Yeah. Um, so they, they, you know, there's so many great voice actors. Uh, Merman, one of the, my least favorite characters ever. Uh, but he's voiced by Kevin Conroy. By Kevin um, Conroy, man. Yeah. He's Batman. Yeah. And you got yeah, Kevin yeah. Conroy and Mark Hamill in the same series. Again. Yeah. So you got we got the, those guys. Uh, Sam Sam Wood voices Adam and He-Man. Um, Chris for those Wood. of you that don't know him. Or Chris Wood, excuse me. Chris Wood. Um, Chris Wood is actually uh, married to Melissa Benoist. that plays Supergirl. He actually starred in several seasons of Supergirl as uh, Daxer uh, from Daxamite. Um, 
So he, he's got some credit to him. Uh, and he did, I think he did a good job distinguishing Adam's voice from He-Man's voice. Um, that is another thing that bugs me. I don't like how they did by the power of Grayskull, I have the power of thing. It just, you know, in the old 80s cartoon, even in the 2002 reboot, you know, it's this big, I, you know, by the power of Grayskull, and then when I have the power, it's always reverb. It sounds more stronger, and yet in this one, it didn't kind of sound that. Um, I was a little disappointed in that. Um, but I'm just trying to think. Uh, the other negative, and I think this is the thing that's kind of shot them in the foot, is, you know, Netflix always puts out a full season. And they put out part one. And so you get to the, the big reveal. We have no clue what's going on with Adam. Skeletor becomes Skelegod with a big H emblazoned on his chest and these weird flames coming out of his neck. Uh, as he stands over Grayskull, and we're done. You know, it's like, where's the rest of the story? What's going to happen? I really think that's what is probably angered everyone. It's like, okay, they can go on this story, we reveal, and then we're done. It's like, why? What the heck? I think that's probably what is angering most people, because we're used to, with Netflix, getting the entire season. We can binge watch it, and then go over and over and over but at the same time, from a marketing or a business standpoint, I think it's genius because now everyone's up in arms and now everyone's going to come back for part two to find out what the crap happened. Controversy yeah. is okay if it ends in a payoff. Yeah. Well, and this definitely is going to get a payoff. Yeah. And at the same time, I, you know, and I'm, I'm using kind of my brain because I'm going through marketing classes and that for, for school and the day job and that. This harkens back to the old Saturday morning cartoons. You know, we would watch the episode. Oh, yeah. We would be excited. And we, you know, something would happen. And we're, you know, we're all jazzed up for the next episode because we got to be there to find out what happens next. And I think that's really what they were trying to do here is okay, we're going to throw a cliffhanger at you. And now you're going to wait so that you will be back for the rest of it. Um, because you know viewership was pretty strong, but how much stronger is viewership going to be for the second half? Uh, I think it's even the people that hated the first half are going to be there because they want to see what happens next. Yeah, absolutely. You know the the classic cliffhanger, the to be continued, or you know like next time on that. That's the way that stories have been told via media to keep the audience engaged since the day of of radio drama, right? Like yeah. You or even you can go all the way back to like Greek drama and you had a three part story, right? You had the start of the hero's adventure. You had the rise of the hero in the second half. You have the tragedy and the fall. And then in the third, you have the redemption and the conquering. And but but that still means that you have to tell the story in three parts you still have like three separate shows where one show ends and you have to wait for the next show to begin to get the rest of the story this is the way it's been for millennia and it's it's because as humans we we love being strung along as long as the journey along the way 
may maintain some sense of reward and we get to we get to a destination that is fulfilling we don't mind right however in modern in modern scenarios what you're talking about is sort of like the the downside of streaming the downside of streaming is if i just wait long enough they'll finish the story and i could just sit down and binge and da 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 right yeah. it's, it, it's a weird it's a weird form of uh, instant gratification or just just delayed temptation right where it's like i'm i'm not going to watch it right now i'm going to wait till they finish it and then let's watch it all at once and yeah. that that is an interesting approach on the one hand i totally get that but on the other hand I've experienced shows where I had to watch it week to week, like say Mr. Robot. I love Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot had these moments that were just freaking genius when it came to storytelling because it was told one week at a time. But when you sit down to show someone, you're like, oh my gosh, this show is brilliant. And then you sit down and you stream, you know, you, you binge three or four episodes in a row. It doesn't have the same impact because you're not left for six days chewing on what you saw thinking about it having theories yeah. you know sitting with negative emotions for a time before you get to the anagnorisis of the of the ultimate reveal and the resolution when you sit down and you and you just binge you don't have that time to synthesize and to internalize what you just experienced it's just a flash in the pan and to that end i think that making this five episode arc i mean basically what they made in five parts was a two and a half hour movie and they're going to come out with another two and a half hour movie to follow it up. But we've got to wait and we have to sit with our feelings and we have to like synthesize and we have to chew on it. That's healthy. That's wholesome. That's good for an audience to do. Well, yeah. I mean, I think Disney's doing a fantastic job with their series. One episode a week and you have to wait. Um, you know, yes, it's on their streaming service, but you still have to wait like we used to. You know, yep. if there's a cliffhanger, you know, we have to wait till the next episode to find out what happens next. Or the next season. Um, yeah, or the next season. Um, I, I will admit I hate season cliffhangers. The reason I hate season cliffhangers is in case, you know, the series gets canceled. And it's like, uh, what did we do? Yeah. Um, which we've seen quite often. Happen. Yes. Um, so. I feel like the season needs to wrap up to a point where it's like, okay, I can live with this end if this happens to be the end forever. But um, no, I, I think they've done a great job. Uh, as far as hearkening to my childhood, I love it. It brought back my love of E-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Uh, so much so I've shared it with my son and we, we have collected some of the toys so that he can have them and we have E-Man and Skeletor fights. Unfortunately, Skeletor, I'm always stuck to Skeletor and I always lose. That's okay. <laughs> he can be He-Man. He can be the winner. Uh, it makes him happy. Um, but that's that's the joy. I mean, that is the joy that these toys brought into our lives. I mean, we talked about that before in a past episode, you know, the ways that made us. You know, it was so much fun having He-Man, having Skeletor, uh, or whoever your, your favorite character was and you played as them and you voiced as them and you had these massive battles and if you had castle graceful or snake mountain or heaven forbid you had that slime pit oh you, you had fun with it. you had lots of fun and you had these massive stories um that went on i mean i remember playing for hours 
and there would just be this story unraveling in my head and it was nothing like the cartoon but it was this unique story that we that I created or even when I played with my friends we created which I, I wish I wish I had a tape recorder or a camcorder that had recorded those because those would have been some amazing stories to rewrite even if it wasn't E-Man and Skeletor but turn it into some other fashion but it helps me to realize and even listening to my kids that we are all innately storytellers from birth that is innate within us and it's something that I don't know if it's something we lose, it's something that society takes out of us, or it's something that we develop into another fashion. Um, you know, for example, I just went and saw the movie Free Guy, and there oh. is a gentleman in there that says, I am a storyteller. The difference between her and I is I use ones and zeros. That's how I tell my story. And I never looked at coding that way before until now. You know, it's always been, oh, I don't like coding not my thing but in reality it, it's no different than writing a book i mean creating a, a web page or a game or a program you are a storyteller in ones and zeros and creating something amazing that is absolutely true i i had that same moment because i am a software developer and i had that yeah. same moment where like i've never in all my like i've been doing this for over a decade now and in that entire time i've never heard it expressed like that and it's brilliant. And I love what you're saying. Like, like we as humans from the dawn of time before written language, we were giving oral histories, right? We, we, we've always been storytellers and the people who propelled our history were those who were best at telling the story. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, folks, we are running out of time. Uh, I hope that you, if you have not watched this show, this series and you stuck through it, you heard all the spoilers. You will go back and watch it. For those of you that have watched it, let us know your thoughts, your opinions. Even if you hated it, that's fine. If you didn't like it, that's okay. That's your opinion. We are not going to say that is wrong. Um, if you liked it, we want to hear both sides. The ones that liked it, the ones that didn't like it, those that are in the middle. Like, eh, it was okay. We want to hear that. <laughs> Jump on our Discord. Tell us about your thoughts. Tell us about your opinions. Because we want to hear those. And not only that, we want to be able to tell those on the show. You know, we want to say, you know, A. Oppenheimer said this. Uh, you know, John Smith said that. We want to hear, hear your guys' story. You know? Absolutely. Um, In fact, to be honest lives. with you, our, our, Discord, our Discord interaction has been completely dry lately. And you know what I was thinking? Yeah. I'm just going to start talking to people. I'm just going to start pinging you. If you're on the server, you're going to get a message from me at some point. I'm just going to start asking you questions. I hope that we can have a conversation and we can be dungeon crawlers together. Yes. Um, we'll be a little bit more active. Um, but I do like the fact that Alton every, says every week, tell your story, whatever it may be. Tell us your stories. We want to hear them. We want to share them. And with that said, we're out here. And dungeon crawlers, whether you are an 80s uh, faithful or whether you love the new masters of the universe, either way you slice it, always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you always.